as an example so you can get a perspective, okay? Pastor Chris is God. This is you yourself, and this is your neighbor. I want you to see this picture because this is a law that we apply in everything that the God's word has given unto us. Mercy is something he has established with us. But in order for myself to really operate, this is you. You guys are in the middle. This is you. In order for you to understand mercy and apply it in your life, you must first turn toward God and get understanding. Mercy starts in understanding walking with the Lord, with your relationship with God. It's important that you have this first because in order for you to move to the next stage, which is yourself, you discover yourself when you connect with God. So once you understand mercy from God's perspective, you can now apply mercy to yourself. Turn around. Now that you understand what mercy is, now you can turn to your neighbor and give them that. You cannot give someone something you don't have. You don't have it because you haven't faced first God. So I want to make sure you understand as we teach this that everything you do, apply this principle. I first must start with the Father. He's going to give it to me. Once I understand it, then I can give it to those. Y'all give these brothers a hand. Thank you guys so much. I wanted you to really understand that because the undeniable promise, this is the mercy that God has given us. And let's start with the Father first. I want you to go to Titus. Go in your Bibles right now to Titus, the third chapter, the first through the eighth verse. I want us to read that. As we read God's word, we have to look at God's perspective of how God sees things and, and apply it in our life. Now, we know that there are a lot of pers- uh, uh, teachings, a lot of preachings, a lot of message that, is, that are out there. But the key thing is lining up everything with God's word. So whatever you're hearing in elections, how to I'm, I'm seeing people now saying the word unity. So the world have their understanding of what unity is. <laughs> So we have to really recognize, okay, what does God say about unity? What does God say about this? So go with me there in your Bibles to Titus, the third chapter, okay? We think. Titus, the third chapter, the first through the eighth verse, okay? Let me get this right. And once you have it, say amen. 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 All right, Titus, the third chapter, the first through the eighth verse. And I'm going to read through uh, the, the standard, the American Standard Version. It's not allowing me to switch here on the Internet. Man. Okay, it says, put them in mind to be in subjection to the rulers, to the authorities, to be obedient, to be ready unto every good, good work, to speak evil of no man, not be contentious to be gentle, Showing all meekness toward all men, for we also once were foolish. This is God describing us. For we all were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love toward man appeared, not by works done in righteousness, which we did ourselves, But according to his mercy, say his mercy, he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon 
us richly through Christ Jesus, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Faithful is the saying, and concerning these things, I desire that thou affirm confidentially to the end that they who have believed God may be careful to maintain good works. So we see here in God's word that God has applied his faithfulness to us even when we were in sin. This is something we have to understand about mercy. Mercy is something recognizing that, hey, I see where you are and I also forgive you. God is showing you that even in all the things you've done. So when we see people in their sin and they come around us, we should always have mercy activated in us. Why? Because it was something God gave us through the Holy Spirit. So mercy is an attribute of the Holy Spirit. So whenever you don't operate in mercy, you're not operating like the Father. I want you to really get that in your heart because mercy in the kingdom is something that comes with the fruit of the Spirit. God understood that in all our sins, everything that we went through, remember the Bible reminds us that Jesus was slain before you and I was born. God had already applied mercy in our lives before we were even here. So whatever you're going to do wrong tomorrow, it's not about begging God because he already has forgiven you. When you understand who you are in the kingdom and you come before him with faith, understanding who you are, mercy is established. You cannot get, you cannot get God's mercy if you don't believe. You deserve it. If you don't even believe you deserve it, it won't be operating in your life. But if you understand that key part of your relationship with him, that God gives me mercy even when I was in sin. So now that I'm in Christ, whatever I come and I get into wrong, I know that I can come before the throne of grace with a pure heart, knowing that he's my father. He's not your uh, stepdaddy. He's your father. When you understand a father, a father, a true father, I'm not talking from the world perspective, but from the word of God, a true father knows that their child is going to do wrong. God already knows. So mercy is his character and his nature to where he applies mercy in our life. So Titus, uh, the third chapter, is reminding us that God is already prepared for us. God said, look, I'm already prepared that I know I wrote the beginning and I wrote the end. So with you knowing this in mind, we want you to make sure you understand that even though you know this in mind, this is the same attitude you need to apply to the people. Mercy. Say mercy. That we need to apply this to the people so God get it in, in us. Go with me to Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the 16th verse. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, because this is something for yourself you have to understand. Hebrews, the fourth chapter in the 16th verse, it says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Now, the throne of grace, I hear a lot of people using the word grace, not understanding that grace is the ability to do right. Grace is not something that gives you permission just to freely sin. 
Now, you know that God is going to forgive. You know that there's mercy in the kingdom. If you take the motive and the attitude of, well, I'm going to do this and later on I'm going to repent, that's called willful sinning. You have to understand that's not what we're talking about. You have to understand that when you come before the throne of grace, God wants you to come boldly, meaning if you get on your knees and you're praying in fear, heaven's doors is shut closed. Meaning if you come before God and you don't believe he's going to forgive you, heaven's doors are shut closed. Coming before the throne of grace boldly means that I know who God is and God knows that I am his own. And for him to reject me is for him to reject himself. This is the understanding you have to have about your relationship with the Lord. Why? If I have a son, my son is my life. If I reject my son, then I reject myself. When you look at a marriage, a husband and a wife, if a husband rejects his wife, he rejects himself. It's the same thing in our relationship with the father. So God knows this. So he says, hey, when you come to me, don't hide. Show, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you mercy, but I need you to come before me boldly, knowing who I am, believing, all right, that we may be able to obtain mercy. See how this goes? It says, let us therefore come before boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may be able to obtain mercy. So if you don't become, come before the throne of grace boldly, just look at that scripture backwards. If you don't come before the throne of grace boldly, you won't be able to obtain mercy, all right? So you want to be able to obtain this mercy, all right? And find grace to help in time of need. Say in time of need. The Bible says that you're going to need grace. You're going to need God's ability in the time of need. Now, if, can you imagine if you get in a situation in a time of need and you never spent that relationship with the Father? I can imagine how you treat your neighbors. Because the, the evidence of your faith being real between you and God is how you treat that person. You can say all day, I love God, I worship God. But if you don't treat that neighbor right, you're showing exactly where your relationship is with the Father. So your mercy, your love level with others it's so important. That's why we're letting you know that we're at that undeniable promise that God is saying, hey, no matter what you do, I'm going to work with you because there's an assignment on your life. I need you to get to the end. And it's the same thing with your relationship with the people. That peop there are people right now that are not, that are of his foe, but have yet repented. So can you imagine killing Saul before he become Paul? Because you don't understand mercy? Can you imagine rebuking or putting someone in jail before they become Paul? Because you're so crazy and mad at them acting like Saul? See, God understand before you and I were born that one day we're going to be Paul. So I'm going to operate in mercy with my child. A father who understands the relationship with his son knows that I can't destroy him because one day I see Paul. So having the attitude of mercy, undeniable mercy, allows you to see a vision of a person, what they're supposed to be. 
I want you to write that down because it's so important that if I don't understand the inalienable mercy, then when I look at a sinner, I will always say they will always be a sinner. But having the spirit of the undeniable mercy of God in my life, when I see a sinner, I see them not in their sins, but becoming what God says they should be. This is that undeniable promise that we're obtaining in life. Look at with me, look at Psalms 103 in the eighth verse. Let's go to the Old Testament. We have to make sure that the Old Testament and the New Testament complement and marriage each other because these things are, are so important when we talk about the undeniable uh, promise. God has always, and we said in the beginning, the Spirit of God was speaking through the, uh, through this, to the leaders in our singing that he's always been consistent in his ways, he's, his attitude, his, his reasons of how he do things. So it says, the Lord is merciful and gracious. We have Psalms 103 and the eighth verse. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Everything about God, you and I must become. I have to use the word must become because we're not robots. The Holy Spirit don't come in you possess you like some demon and make you start acting right. No, no, it don't work like that. The only thing that can possess you and make you start acting like that is a demonic spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you and guides you, meaning you and I have a choice. So you and I have to choose to do right with one another. But when we understand who God is, we're able to apply this with people that I should be merciful. Why? Because God is merciful. I should be slow to anger. Why? Because God is slow to anger. Like, why you don't snap on people all the time? Because my father, who I am trying and I'm, out, I'm working every day to try to be like him, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta not snap at you today. You ever had them conversations in your head where you say, man, I really want to slap that person, and you just like, you know, I ain't going to do it. Come now. now, come on now. I, I like, some people may say, I don't talk to myself. Stop lying. Listen, we all talk to ourselves. We, we even answer ourselves sometimes. I do it all the time. I ask myself a question. I'd be like, Josh, do you really want to do this? And I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. The Bible even tells us God says in his word, there's no one to counsel God. God counsels himself. Everything about God you are. Everything that you have, God has. So don't think to yourself, this is crazy that I'm answering myself. No, there's no one who can counsel God. Got to think about that. Why would God need counseling? He's almighty. You were made in his image. So he wants to be able to communicate with you that you start operating to where you got to make your own decision. You got to make your own choice. And that's what God's word says. It says, his will not all, always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. Say forever. Let's, if you haven't started the day, please forgive that person. Don't let your anger last forever. The only one of the greatest angels in the world that is still operating in anger is Lucifer. So when you live like that in your life, you are now have made him your father. Lucifer operates in forever anger. God, his anger don't last forever. He's looking for you and I to change the way we think in our hearts toward the situation. And he immediately puts us back in position. 
You got to understand God is more concerned about your assignment versus your mistake. This is the undeniable promise. This is a promise that he's giving you and I. And we shouldn't take that for granted and lightly. And we walk around with an attitude of saying, man, I can't even forgive myself. Like, no, today, forgive yourself. There's something God wants to do in your life. He's giving you and I mercy because it's really not about you, but it's really about you completing something in the earth. Remember, each one of us are assigned and attached to each other in some way. There's something I'm supposed to provide for you. There's something you're supposed to provide for me. If we shut down operating, obeying God, then what I was supposed to give you, you don't get. So if you die today and you didn't complete your assignment, there is a generation of people who won't read the book you were supposed to write. There is a generation of people who won't hear the song you were supposed to write. There is a generation of people who won't hear the message you were supposed to preach. This is why if we understand God's mercy, that every wrong mistake that we do, the Bible says, come boldly, believe, because I'm able to do this because I know who I am in my relationship with the Father. Let's continue reading that. He says, he has not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Iniquities are thoughts. If you don't know what iniquities is, remember the first sin you will ever commit in life starts in your thoughts. Everything that we do in our actions and our wrong, that's why when, we're, when, we're, um, when I'm communicating and counseling with people, I never talk to them about what they did wrong, actu- the actions. I ask them, what were you thinking? Because if we deal with you there, we ain't got to worry about what you do with your hands and your feet. We ain't got to worry about your conversation. My question is, what is your mentality when it comes to this subject, when it comes to this area of life? Because what you think, it makes a whole lot of sense why you say and do what you do. That's why the word of God says in here about our iniquity. God has to deal with us from our thought process, not from our actions. That's why Jesus never condemned a woman when, he, when they caught a uh, land up with other men. That's why Jesus, every time somebody did something wrong in the presence of Jesus and they were dead wrong, he never condemned them. You got to understand that this is how we have that mercy. And this is the same mercy God has given you and I. That relationship you saw between Prophet Call and, and, and Pastor um, Chris, that relationship right there is so important because God shows you mercy. And before you even came to Christ, he protected you, even in your sin. God is concerned about your assignment, and your assignment has everything to do with your neighbor. For Jesus was sent into the world to bring the world back to God. You get it? Your assignment is the key of getting your neighbor back to God. This is why God is so concerned about you and I understanding his promises of having mercy in our life. Because if we don't have mercy in our life and understand it, we will always look at people as Saul and at the whatever we envision and believe, you know that you are prophesying with your mouth. Some people say, I'm not a prophet, so I don't prophesy. No, no, no. Every time you open your mouth, you prophesy. You're speaking things into existence. When you say, my cousin, he'll never get saved. He always will be, well, trust me, your words have power. 
And the only way they can come out of it, they themselves have to see the light. That whatever curse, remember, remember what it a curse is. A curse is just words that are spoken that are not from God. I need you to understand that. So if you start speaking something in the atmosphere and it's not from God, it's a curse. That's why we always concerned with leaders and prophets. We always remind one another that if God say to speak it, you better speak it. And if he don't say speak it, if you keep talking and talking and God has already shut his mouth, the problem is, is that what you're saying is called witchcraft. Witchcraft is just power being used from a different source. You got to understand each one of us have power. Cardi B has power, for the young people that know her. Cardi B, every artist has power. But any power being used from a different source is called witchcraft. So that's why you and I have to understand that whenever I speak, whatever I do, I want the Holy Spirit to guide and lead me. Because if I allow something else to lead me, that means you're operating from a different source. Remember when Adam, when Adam fell from God, he never lost power and dominion. What he lost was the Holy Spirit. But that power, that power, God never took that back. And if you read the book of Genesis, they did some wicked stuff. They were doing some powerful spiritual things. That's why we got, well, they got voodoo. They got all these different uh, 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 religions that are out here that are doing powerful things. And it's all over the Internet. And you're seeing people getting healed. And not one time they mentioned the word Jesus. Why? Because God never took the power out. He let us keep the power and his source, which is his Holy Spirit, it left us. So now men knows this level of knowledge and they operate in this. But you and I, once we understand God's word, we understand that whatever I speak, we're going to operate just like my teacher. Jesus said, I do nothing of myself, but what my father in heaven tells me. So everything you say, everything you do, it must be led by the Holy Spirit because it's a real easy thin line to walk in witchcraft. I know we may not talk about that. No one may not say that. But regardless if you don't know or understand it, that is what witchcraft is. It's power being used from the wrong source. And when you understand mercy, you say to yourself, I can't say nothing bad about you because I don't want to operate in witchcraft. Even though you acting like Saul, I'm going to continue to say what the word of God says. I love you. You're going to, you're going to be saved and set free and filled with the Holy Ghost. Our relationship is going to work. Stop saying your relationship is not going to work. Say it is going to work. The power is in your what, guys? The power is in your what? Now you know where the power is. The power, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not outside of you, but it's in you. The scripture always said the power is in your, you're thinking, man, I got to go somewhere. No, 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 no. I'd be like, chill, sit down. Think for a second. What does God's word say? The power is where? So that means in your bad situation, you think it may not work, but start speaking that it will. Shift everything in your life and watch reality. Watch this fake world line up with the real world of the kingdom in you. That's power. 
So the power is not in uh, uh, counseling or watching TV shows. It's not there. It's your relationship right there in the beginning with the Father. Because he's going to tell you these things to help you, all right? It says in the, in the Bible, For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as the Father pitteth his children, so the Lord pitteth them that fear him. You got to understand, fear means respect. So if I walk in respect of God, not this uh, scared thing of people may be having, that's not fear. The fear of God is respect. Say respect. God is asking for us to respect his presence. When we come to church, we respect one another. Whatever God is asking from you is because it's something he's already given to you. When you pray and you're talking to God, you, that's why we encourage you. Don't. This is not about begging when you go to God and you're praying because God has already done it. I love when I run into people and they say, I'm waiting on the Lord. I'll be like, oh, really? You're waiting on the Lord. Okay. What does that mean in that situation? Are you waiting to get yourself in position to hear something he's already said? Because if that's not your mindset, you're going to be waiting a long time. Really, you're going to be waiting to wait your emotions. You feel better. And you're like, nah, I got it. I heard from God. I'm like, that's because you feel good. That's because you saw something on TV or somebody said something, inspired you, and you're like, oh, yeah, God has spoke. Yeah, you watch Facebook. You're going to find a lot of inspiration on Facebook. You still lean into your emotions, which is your own understanding. When you understand how this works, you say to yourself, let me get into his word because God has already done. The key is me finding out the knowledge. There is no thing, there's nothing new under the sun. When you recognize God's word from that perspective, whatever you find out today that you didn't know, it was here before you. You're just, we call it revelation. Something is being revealed to you that's already here. So if you see any other leaders in us say, I have a new revelation, it's not that it's new in the sense of it just came out the sky. It's just new to you because you never heard it. I can say something right now, and, and our sister may have said to herself, I never heard that. But this sister may sit here and say, I heard that 10 years ago. It's new revelation to her. So don't think when you hear this word revelation, we're talking deep up in here. No, that's nothing deep. It's just something that's been revealed. But if you have that relationship with God, what is being heard is nothing new. And with me understanding that knowledge, my attitude, I respond to conflicts and situations totally different. When have you ever seen God scared in a situation? When have you ever read in a word where God was nervous during a crisis? Matter of fact, the son of God was asleep on the boat. How many times can you go to sleep? How many of us, just ask yourself, the moment you heard COVID-19 and you saw the numbers going up, where was your heart and mind? Were you in the spirit? Were you still sleeping and resting? Or were you nervous? There's nothing wrong with wearing a mask. But if there's a mask on your mind, they got you. Because once they say turn the mask off, they still got changed on the way you think. 
This is not about the outwardness of what the enemy is doing. The enemy is trying to get us to not understand the undeniable promise that he gave man. God gave this situation to us and Satan is jealous. He knows the promise. He was in heaven with God when God was doing all this. Oh, let me make this. Let me make this. And Satan was just standing there like. Remember, before he became Satan, he was Lucifer, the good angel. So he was watching everything God was making. But when he became Lucifer, he became jealous. And he had a forever anger. And you and I can't walk in that. We have to understand our promises so that when we walk in mercy in our relationship with God and understanding how God applies mercy to us, we're able to apply to our neighbor. And then our world will change. Our world doesn't depend on who become president. So if you're thinking that Biden and Trump is going to change your future, they are not your king. Jesus is our king. And he gave us the ability to live in this world, but not be of this world. And when we read the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to get more wicked. It's going to get more wicked, you guys. But the power that we possess allows us to be in a situation where people are losing houses and me and you are buying two and three. Why? Because our thinking is different. We understand the promise. The promise that Abraham had. The promise that Jesus had. Jesus was living under Roman laws and still was moving powerful. And that is our master teacher. And that's who we look towards. Romans the 8th chapter in the first verse. It says, there is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after flesh, but after the Spirit of God. When we walk after the Spirit of God, you guys, there is no condemnation. So as you're praying and you understand that mercy that I have in my life, as, as, as we take communion today, that's one thing we want to encourage you and have you to make sure examine yourself. Examine yourself. Sometimes I see people who may say, I'm not going to take communion today. And I say, I have no problem with that because I understand the value of what that means. The Bible says if you take communion and you haven't yet yourself cleansed yourself of unrighteous things, or if you have an ought with your brother and sister and you try to give your sacrifice to God, did you know that God rejects that? Because you haven't allowed mercy in your relationship with your cousin or whoever it may be. This is what the word of God is saying. That's why the Bible says it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Obedience is better than a sacrifice. My sacrificing could be rapping and singing. My sacrifice could be giving something to God. But God said in his word that if Joshua doesn't obey me, I don't care if you rap in the presence of my people. I don't care if everybody enjoyed the song. If you're not obedient to me, that stinks. That's why the Bible says obedience. Think about it. Obedience is better. It's better than sacrifice. When we come in here, we have praise and worship. That's your sacrifice to God. But if your obedience is not in line with God, God is saying, look here, you might as well sit down. 
Tithes and offerings come. If your obedience to God is not right and you say, I just gave $200 in the tithes and offering, God is saying, that don't mean nothing to me. Because your obedience is better than your sacrifice. When you sing, you sacrifice. When you give money, when you give to the poor, and you take your phone out, and you say 30 people just got saved, thanks to Evangelist J. White, God is saying your obedience is better than that sacrifice. We see many people love to take pictures when they're out there evangelizing, saying we are saving souls, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, but if your obedience... It's not lining up your character, your relationship that you're having. If you're not turning around in your personal life, I ain't talking about the people you treat right in the church building. I'm talking about your personal life. Then God is saying all of it is no good to me. Your obedience is better than your sacrifice. And God wants us to understand that that promise that is connected with that mercy, I have to establish mercy in my life because God has given it to me. God knows you and I when we walk out that door, when we're at home in our personal time. And he knows when we're doing wrong and he gives us mercy. Some of us won't even give people mercy in the presence of us. And God has given us mercy even when nobody sees it. When you really understand that, man, I'm nothing without the Father. That when someone hurts me, you know what? The grace that I have, I can forgive you. I don't want to hinder my assignment. I want to make sure you get where you need to go in life with God, and I need to get to go where in life God. I'm going to apply mercy because it was a promise that he gave me. And this is the promise we got to walk in. This is my last scripture, and I want to read this to you. Let's go with me to Philippians, the third chapter and the 13th verse. And we're going to get prepared for communion, too. You know what? Let's go, let's go to this one. I want to deal with the neighbor. Go with me to Luke, the sixth chapter, and the 27th verse. I want to end on this one with Jesus' words. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are Jesus' words. If, if, if you read and you study the four Gospels, you guys, these are words that Jesus is saying. And if you ever want to know what God is thinking, if you want to know what God is thinking, you got to listen to what Jesus says. And this is Jesus speaking. Now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I know you may see these things and you say, man, it's too long. Um, some young people say, hey, I don't want to read all that. Really, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are saying the same thing from four different perspectives. When I read that and I looked at it, I said, wait a minute, he's saying the same thing in a different way. With Jesus' words. Did you know if an apostle stood up here and he spoke and I stood to the side and I was writing what he's saying and Prophet Carl stood over here and writing what he was saying up here. Did you know you will have Prophet Carl perspective and you will have Evangelist Joshua perspective? Now, mind you, we're watching apostle at the same time. But we're going to give you our perspective. That's what the Gospels is. It's Jesus' words from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, perspective. And this is Jesus' words in the book of Luke. I love how Luke wrote this when he's dealing with the neighbor. It says, but I say unto you which hear, this is Jesus, okay? Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, pray for them which despitefully use you, and unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away the cloak, forbid not to take the coat also. 
Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again, as ye would not men should do to you. Do ye also to them likewise, for if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? These are questions. For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, which thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. The law in this I want you to really catch before I continue is the fact that when you sow into somebody's life, if I gave you $100, the attitude of the kingdom is not for you to think that I'm supposed to give it back to you. That's not how it works. In the kingdom, when God tells you to obey him and give something away, the law works is that this brother that stay in a whole other city and state may call you and say, hey, I want to buy something from you. And they and it costs $100, and you get it right back. This is how the law works. This is why God said to operate that way, because the world system is, if I gave you something, yeah, I've heard many conversations. People come to me and say, you know I gave something such $20, they didn't give it back to me. I was like, wait a minute, why are you thinking like that? Was they supposed to? Thank you, baby. Was they supposed to? If that's not what agreement you said you was giving from your heart, you're not supposed to expect that back. And if whatever expectation you have, you're waiting on the Lord, it says men should give unto your bosom. That's the key, men. Not that person naming that blank. But men should give into your bosom. Someone else has the seed. But you got to understand that law, okay? But love ye your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as the Father also is merciful. The Father is what, guys? So he's asking us to be merciful just like him. The whole goal for you and I and our relationship, as you saw Prophet Carl talking to Pastor Chris, is to be just like the Father with people. Our goal is to be just like the Father because it's in him he's able to give us the ability to work the promise, which is mercy. Stand on your feet. The kingdom perspective of mercy. You and I are going to need mercy in our life 